people for so long have been so obsessed with like, is squirt pee? <laughs> Sluts and scholars. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hey, slutty scholars, just a reminder that I am part of an awesome podcast network called Pleasure Podcasts. We feature some of the top sex and relationship podcasts in the world. Here's a trailer from my friend Holly Randall from her show, Holly Randall Unfiltered. You can also listen to episode 98, an oldie but a goodie, that features Holly on Sluts and Scholars. Hey guys, I'm Holly Randall, and I am an erotic photographer, director, and producer. I started a podcast called Holly Randall Unfiltered, where I interview the biggest names in the adult industry. My goal with this show is to show the world what the adult industry is really like, and what really happens behind the scenes, what these porn stars are actually like as people, not just as performers, and show the world this is a real job, we actually take it seriously, and we have a lot of fun doing it at the same time. So make sure that you tune in to Holly Randall Unfiltered. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts, on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, you name it. And come learn what the porn industry is actually like. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I am excited to welcome Tallulah. Tallulah is a somatic sex therapist based in Newport Beach. She has 20 years experience as a sex educator, erotic event curator, and sex therapist. She's been featured on TV shows such as Penn and Teller and Sex Life, as well as Tim Ferriss's best-selling book, The 4-Hour Body. I have the honor of doing some sessions with Tallulah as well, and I love referring clients to her, and I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today. Welcome, Tallulah. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. <laughs> okay, so question I'm having everyone answer this season is, what has been either the best sex or the most non-sexual pleasurable thing that you've done lately that you're stoked about? Ooh, let's see. Um, and define that as broadly as you'd like. <laughs> well, let's see. I was, um, I mean, even this might not be like the total highlight of my life, but um, even just like last night, I was playing with my partner and um, I got dressed up in a hot little school schoolgirl outfit and we did some kind of daddy dom play, which was really love. fun. And I just love that too, because it's like kind of edgy and helps me just like immerse myself in another world that's really hot and awesome and amazing. So that was that was kind of a little highlight last night since that's like fresh. <laughs> yes. Fresh for me. Oh, uh -huh. I love it. Well, as yeah. listeners of the podcast know, I'm all about that. And I think it can be so relaxing to have the opportunity mm -hmm. to have a daddy, especially if you're mm -hmm. like a business owner and working and doing things all day. It's like, 
now I'm a baby. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, especially because in my work, I'm guiding people sexually right. all the time. Yeah. So it's really nice to just kind of like move into the more subspace of, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, being like mommy, daddy, poo poo, pee pee. <laughs> not that I'm like that. I'm not at that level, but yeah. I, it's nice to be like little girl and, uh-huh. um, you know, be domed. It's, re- it's really hot and it's nice, like change of pace for me with yes. what I do for work too. So. Yeah. So let's talk about your work. Um, so you do somatic sex therapy. Um, what is somatic sex therapy? Let's talk about it. Well, it's basically hands-on sex therapy. Um, and somatic refers to the body. So it's like an embodied way to heal, to work out whatever you need to, um, to help you kind of have experiences. So it's experiential sex therapy. So it's pretty, um, helpful because instead of just talking about our sexual issues, it's always great to have some experiential work around them to kind of give us that body memory and work through, you know, any trauma to, or any issues that we are not feeling confident at or want to explore. Like, for example, someone's never like their partner saying, I really want you to be more dominant in bed, you know, and then they're like, I don't know how to do that. Then you can practice with me. (laughs) And it's really fun because you then feel more confident when you are there than with your partner. And like you're saying, I think it's so important to have this experiential component because like sex and eroticism is something that needs to include the body for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so I love my work Mm -hmm. and there's a point at which we can't just talk about it and that person has to practice fucking about it, you know? And so it's important to, you know, sometimes people can do those practices within their relationship, but just like we learn to drive a car through actually driving the car, you know, we don't just learn through Mm -hmm. talking about it and watching a video. That's just one Mm -hmm. part of it. Learning to connect with your partner can be just the same that you actually have to like Mm -hmm. do it in a hands-on way. Yes, absolutely. There's like a multidimensional aspect to sexuality, right? Like, you know, mentally, there are certain issues that we know we want to work on. There's the communication piece. And then there's the experiential piece as well. And, you know, and beyond, right, of just being able to have access to embodiment, because like a lot of the people that I see, they're there because they're stuck in their heads. Mm -hmm. So just talking about it sometimes is not really helpful for people who don't know how to get out of their heads and into their bodies. And that's usually a pivotal part of how, of what brings people to see me to begin with. Yeah. So let's talk about like, what are some of the main things that people do come to see you with? Like, what are some of the main Mm -hmm. themes that you see? Some of the like presenting struggles um, that you work a lot with? Well, um, for example, there are um, some women who have never had an orgasm before. Um, they have not explored their bodies just in general. So they want to explore in a safe space. Um, they don't even know how to direct their partners because they just don't have that experience for themselves. Mm-hmm. So I help with self-exploration um, and helping people to get more comfortable and empowered and connected to their bodies. Um, I also have, um, you know, uh, folks who have like erectile dysfunction issues or premature ejaculation issues. Um, and that can be really helpful. They have uh, performance anxiety. Uh, I, I work with couples that 
the they're on very different wavelengths. Like one person wants this experience, actually the other person wants this experience. And then I help couples bridge that together yeah. a little bit so that we can, or couples that want to explore or have a stagnant or non-existent sex life and want to bring things back into the mix and get that spark again. So yeah, yeah those are, those are some of the big themes, you know? Yeah. Ooh, let's talk a little bit about the, like, never had an mm-hmm. orgasm. Um, so let's say you get someone coming in who's never had an orgasm and I'm, I'm happy to share some of, you know, what, what I would do in my part of, mm-hmm. of that work as well. And let's say you get someone coming in with that. Where do you start? What do you see as like some of the main issues? What, yeah, where do you start? Well, we kind of like back up a little bit in that it's like, well, why haven't you really explored your body? Well, first we even question, like, it has this person self-pleasured, you know, mm-hmm. do they have a self-pleasuring practice? Um, is there sexual shame there? And, you know, cause some, some people have not explored sexually because of trauma, past trauma, mm-hmm. um, or sexual abuse. Uh, for some people it's uh, a lot of sexual shame or yeah. religious sexual shame programming, right? Mm-hmm. So there are so many different factors that we're trying to work with. Like, what is it that has created this experience of not being connected to yourself sexually or not exploring. So then we, we back things up a bit and we try to unpack that Mm -hmm. and work with that on an emotional level. And then we also have the experiential aspect, which is uh, them actually exploring. So we get out the hand mirror. uh, Sometimes we learn about anatomy. We learn about like the basics of you know, just what could be kind of what what's considered erotic mapping, where mm-hmm. we basically discover, you know, what levels, um, you know, or what experience is getting them to that next arousal level. And then we mm-hmm. also explore desires too. what's called like core erotic desires. That's the the things that really, you know, pack a punch with arousal, like that help elevate your arousal to the next level. So we find out what gets them really hot and turned on and juicy to begin with. Right. Mm-hmm. And then also have that time where I'm doing like a guided self-pleasuring journey with them. And then sometimes I work hands-on with them and it's just like a step-by-step, like where they're, I'm like doing this, like how do circles feel? What about a little bit higher on your clit? What about a little bit lower? What if, what, how does this feel when at this part of your G spot? Right. Mm-hmm. So we practice and we do hands-on work so that they can get comfortable, like seeing what they like, what they don't like, also getting them in body to really feel and be connected to what their physical body is doing. And we also work with the nervous system, mm-hmm. right? The nervous system has to be relaxed and the person has to feel comfortable, safe, and be embodied in order to really tune in to get to even on the orgasm train itself, right? Mm-hmm. To even get to some higher arousal state. So I help them practice working with getting into their arousal and getting into their bodies as well. So it's like a multifaceted approach, right? And it's really fun too, like, you know, to, to do that journey doesn't all have to be serious kind of work. Any tips for folks who are thinking like, I could never do that, or I could like never go to someone who's helping me in like a hands-on way. Like, obviously we can't force or make someone go do that. That's completely up to the person, but like, how do we kind of make it feel more normal and invitational in a way that like, this could be really slow and this can be really lovely and this could be really supportive. And because I think a lot of people, when they hear this, they get scared. They get scared. 
And that might be because they're not ready for feeling that kind of pleasure. Like you said, there's a lot of blocks and then maybe that's why they come see me. Um, But yeah, is there any tips for folks who are like, yeah, that sounds great, but that's terrifying. Yes. In fact, most of my clients, when they come in, they're very nervous. They have anxiety or they're just downright terrified. But I'm like, yay, you showed up, right? You had your Mm -hmm. nervousness, but you showed up. Um, And for the folks who are, um, kind of like, oh, I don't, that would, that seems like it could be really helpful, but also very scary. Like to have someone like looking at me naked or touching, you know, touching me or being intimate with me, that can be very intimidating or very scary. And what I really, I, I meet people where they're at. So mm-hmm. sometimes we just work where we're talking and creating that safe container first before we ever get to anything physical or even that experiential. Yeah. Um, so I think taking the pressure off things having to be experiential, um, you know, even at all. So I'm always kind of checking in with people, with their boundaries, what feels comfortable, what feels safe. And then my intention is first and foremost, beyond anything, just to create this safe container. Because mm-hmm. um, you can't go anywhere unless your client feels, oh, I feel really comfortable around you. I feel like you're not judging me. Or I feel like, oh, you're in this like nice environment where I feel cozy, mm-hmm. right? And I also start all my sessions with a meditative like embodiment practice. So a lot of the nerves start to relax when... They're just on, we do therapy in bed. (laughs) So, you know, my work is like, we're on a bed, you're in a cozy space, the lights are dim. This is actually where I work. (laughs) And I can, (laughs) I can attest that it's a beautiful space and it's so (laughs) inviting and so cozy and there's all sorts of like sensual things and it's, it's delightful space. Yeah. You can't really, uh, I mean, in a clinical environment, it just feels kind of sterile, right? So when we're working with sexuality, sensuality, people feel a little more comfortable when they're like lounging on a bed and it's like, move the pillows and get in a cozy space. And then Mm -hmm. we're doing a nice, relaxing sort of meditative embodiment practice as well. So really, I just kind of meet people where they're at. Um, They're able to work through things at their level, their pace and their comfort. And as you know, sex therapy is kind of, I wouldn't say stigmatized, but it's like, it's sort of only recently sort of people are, are okay going to see a sex therapist. It was just seen as, as sort of something that maybe if you were only in like some crisis or you were kinky or you had like some kind of major issue you would go to. But uh, I really feel like now people are more open to sex therapy. And most of the time when I see people, they're in a pretty intense place with what whatever they're at. They're very frustrated. They're very upset about. They are really almost desperate at that point. So a mm-hmm. lot of people are coming to see me when they have exhausted all their resources that they have. And they're just like, all right, <laughs> you know, my relationship might be on the line. Um, this is something that has ruined my, my relationships or my sex life. I need to work with this, you know? So it really feels good. Like by the time that people come (laughs) in to see me, they're like, all right, I am so ready for this. And they're willing and open to try, to try different things. And for folks out there listening, if you have done some like self-exploration and stuff and you still feel like something feels off or maybe even before, um, my kind of main invitation when I see folks in my practice is I first really want them to rule in or rule out some kind of physical cause. And so I think, like you said, sex is a mind, body, spirit thing. And so some things that can, you know, 
be causing you to not be able to like reach orgasm or to experience the kind of pleasure you want can be anything from hormone issues to tissue issues happening, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in your pelvic region, um, medications, medications, exactly. So, um, to do that, go to a sexual medicine specialist. If you're curious what that is, go back to the episode with Dr. Lisa Valle, um, on my podcast. And so this is someone who's a urologist, a urogynecologist, or a specialized gynecologist who has training in sexual medicine. Don't just go to a general OBGYN, go to someone with a sexual medicine specialization, tell them what's going on, and they will look and see if there's anything physical. And then once you rule that in or out, then you can move through these other pieces and know that like that's been checked off the list and that now it's what you want to do, which I think can be scary for some people because then they're like, oh, if nothing's going on, then it's on me. (laughs) Or it can feel like a relief because they're like, oh, great, there's this thing going on and now I have a a path to to help make that feel better. Yeah, that's very important to note because yeah, I often do kind of do a physiological like questioning with clients Mm -hmm. initially, just kind of like, oh, have you had this checked out? Like, you know, with erectile dysfunction, right? That could very much be a physiological issue. And, yes. you know, and, and once I'm determined like, okay, this is more psychological mm-hmm. or, you know, something in the realm that I can help with and I, then I'm happy to help. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you'd feel comfortable doing a little bit of something, but I wonder if you could maybe teach us a little somatic uh, nervous system, something that you might do with a client that kind of helps maybe relax or helps the body be more open to pleasure, um, even if it's just a small thing. Yes, really happy to do that. Um, Just to preface it a little bit, what I do is I basically guide people through anchors. And anchors are anything that gets you out of your head and into your body and your Mm -hmm. nervous system relaxed. And basically what I help people do is just discover which anchors are most helpful for them. Mm -hmm. So basically I'll do like a little example of a a guidance. And while people are kind of going through it, um, you're just noticing like which anchors really kind of bring you into your body, right? So, um, yeah, really happy to just do a little mini excerpt of something that yes, I Yes, if you're down to give, do. a, give a little free therapy here. I would love that. Yeah, I'm doing absolutely. this for me. This is for me. <laughs> yes, this is perfect. Yeah. So, so we're just starting with our eyes closed. Just taking a nice deep breath in into your belly with a sigh. Ah. <sighs> On the exhale, just releasing any tension on the exhale. We're just going to do that a couple times. Oh. Um, and you're just going to feel your seat right now. And even just kind of wiggling a little bit in your seat just to feel your connection to your seat or to the bed or wherever, your car seat. Yeah, don't close your eyes if you're driving, but otherwise. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not car seat at this point. (laughs) Yes. And just feeling now your pelvis. And we're just gently squeezing your pelvic floor muscles. And just noticing how your body feels when you just squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. And breathing again. You're just going to notice too, like the position of your body, wherever it's at, noticing your feet and your legs and your seat. 
Noticing your belly and your chest and your back, feeling your spine and your shoulders and your arms and your hands, and in particular, just feeling your fingertips, maybe even touching your fingertips together, just making contact with your fingers. And just hearing the sounds that are around you, whether it's hearing my voice or your own breath or the cars outside. Um, Just noticing that process of your body just getting a little bit heavier and this process of just slowing down. And if you have any thoughts that are kind of circulating around, that's perfectly fine. You're just focusing your attention right now on your body. So you're just noticing that there's all these different sensations in your body right now. There might be some places of tension, of tightness, movement of energy, relaxation, and tingly energy in the body. So you're just getting curious and noticing those sensations. Um, just taking another deep breath. And just feeling all those sensations in your body right now, just coming back to your body, to your seat, and to your breath. Uh How was that? Great. I'm ready for a nap. (laughs) (laughs) Right? It can really relax you. And for some people, it's just very relaxing. And for some people... um, it helps their minds kind of settle down and get a little more embodied. So it has this kind of dual action of calming your nervous system and getting you into your body. Yeah, I uh, I started like yawning a fair amount, which if folks don't know, you know, I know I've talked about this on the podcast before and discussing nervous system, but that's like a activation of your parasympathetic, which is like the rest and digest space. Um, mm-hmm. So I felt some yawning in a good way, like not a tired, yeah. but like a settling kind of way. Um, Mm -hmm. that feels really nice. And yeah, this is so important because, um, as Emily Nagoski, you know, talks about in her come as you are book, you know, we have to find these, a good balance for ourselves of these breaks and accelerators in order to have our body be open to pleasure. So the Mm breaks are the things that maybe slow our nervous system down, which in excess Mm -hmm. can like shut us off or you know, and then put us to sleep. Exactly. (laughs) Put us to sleep or the arousal things, which make physical arousal possible and um, feeling excited, but in excess is anxiety and survival mode. So to find this balance is so key to be open to pleasure. Hey, slutty scholars, do you like a well-groomed beard? Our friends and sponsors at Manscaped now have beard products and are going even further with their brand new Weed Whacker 2.0. Go ahead and tell the world that the leaders in below-the-waist grooming are traveling north. Go to manscaped.com and use our code SCHOLARS for 20% off plus free shipping. My partner and I both use Manscaped trimmers for our below-the-waist trimming needs. And the brand new Weed Whacker 2.0 offers improved blades and skin-safe technology with a no-tugging guarantee. 
And for those of you with beards, meet the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. It all starts with the Beard Hedger Beard Trimmer. The Beard Hedger has a titanium-coated T-blade that is tough on hair but smooth on your face. Though, I can't say I've tried it on my beard yet. They also have other care products like Manscapes Beard Shampoo and Conditioner, Beard Oil, and a Beard Balm to moisturize, style, and shimmer your facial hair. Whatever hair you want trimmed, Manscaped has got you covered. So get 20% off and free shipping with our code SCHOLARS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D, manscaped.com, and use our code SCHOLARS. Trust Manscaped for the only right tools for the job and thank me later. Now back to the episode. Yes, exactly. I that's so great because um you just spoke to it so eloquently about like this beautiful like balance of arousal and excitement in the body and relaxation at the same time. And that's actually where you get to that really good spot which is ecstasy. Like mm-hmm. when you feel ecstatic, you're you're relaxed, your nervous system is relaxed and your whole body is alive with energy. So you can actually have both of those simultaneously. But if we're tense, our bodies are tight or locked down. So you get people who stop breathing and they kind of uh, get a little bit constrained or contained, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like, okay, how can we open up the body? How can we use your voice, be moaning, breathing? The breathing is really great for moving energy through your body. So if we're kind of locked down tight and not breathing, which a lot of us are without even realizing it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, that is just constricting all our sexual energy into the point where it's just going to be genitally focused rather than having a full body orgasm or being able to move energy through your body. So that's another thing I work with clients on is just where their energy is kind of stuck in their bodies, where they're holding on to stress or tension. Mm. Um, and are they able to relax their nervous system enough to be fully, fully embodied? Because basically our whole body is one big sexual organ, right? Mm-hmm. So we, if we access our full bodies sexually from a sensual place, right? Um, then we're much more sexually powerful and have so much more pleasure that we have access to rather than just the genitals, which really a lot of people are just so, you know, genitally focused that they forget that all their entire body um, is erotic and sensual and sexual and one big sexual organ. So I help people feel it from that full body place, Mm -hmm. right? And be more expressive rather than locked down, constrained, stressed out, anxious. Yeah. Where I know you do some of this with clients, where does the practice of like Tantra fit in to this practice of like energy and kind of full body ecstasy? Like how do you kind of define Tantra and and what does that work look like? You know, I have sort of a Neo-Tantra approach where, um, you know, we're, you know, Tantra is to weave and we're basically just weaving in this holistic way our ability to be present, our ability to maybe even have a a transcendent experience through um, being in, you know, in our bodies and connected with our partner or connected to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So there's this uh, presence, almost having a transcendent experience or an ecstatic experience. Uh, Tantra teaches about being connected to your full entire body, to Mm -hmm. all of your energy centers or your chakras to be able to be present and connected to yourself and your partner. And those are vital foundational things. A lot of people associate Tantra with something kind of woo woo or, and it can be Mm -hmm. right. But there are some very practical things about Tantra that I use. And I don't necessarily even go around touting them as Tantra, (laughs) right? 
Um, because that word has gotten so, I don't know, convoluted and mm-hmm. there's a lot of stigmas now attached to it and it's been mm-hmm. used, misused and there's just, it's a loaded term now in, in different arenas. So mm-hmm. I kind of mm-hmm. just stick to more of like the practicalities of Tantra um, where it's like, oh, what are the great aspects about it? Where it's like it, deeper intimacy and connection, connection yeah. to your body, working with your breath, um, having a more holistic, uh, you know, aspect to sexual your sexual energy as in having more full body orgasms and taking your time going slow um including tantric massage into you know what you share with a partner possibly too Mm -hmm. i mean i obviously think this hands-on experiential work is so life-savingly important and unfortunately there are some places that don't allow it how how has it been for you like working within a realm of this like um sort of fringe uh, gray area gray, gray area <laughs> yeah. of like somatic sex therapy versus sex work and and things like that yeah um so as a certified sexological body worker you know in california i am somewhat <laughs> legally able to be touching people's genitals right it's one way touch for me to my clients and they're on a massage table Um, so there is, so it is that gray line where I'm certified. I've done that training and I'm a certified Mm -hmm. psychological body worker. So I have, I have basically that hall pass as it Mm -hmm. were. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, they always told us in the training, like, you know, there are some gray areas within this too. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of a little bit at your own risk. So for example, if I, I could not be a licensed therapist, so I purposefully did not go in that direction because, you know, there's a lot of restrictions, right. As far as what you're allowed to do, physical touch. Um, and so, yeah, so I studied sexological body work and somatica and tantra and all these different modalities, um, that, you know, are pretty somatic and hands-on. So I just, yeah, I go for it (laughs) and and just, Uh, you know, ride that fringe. (laughs) I ride the fringe because like, it's worth it to me. Cause I feel like as a pioneer, pioneer and crusader for people getting the sexual healing and therapy, they, they need, this is important for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And I will pay that ticket (laughs) or whatever, or like, you know, spend a little time until if I have to, not that it wouldn't necessarily go to that, but you know what I mean? Like I'd be willing to do it yeah. for the cause because I believe in it so much. Um, people yeah. really need this, this work. It's so valuable and important and not enough people get it or have access to or know it even exists, which is really sad. But, um, I love how, again, it's, it's kind of come a little bit more into the mainstream mm-hmm. and it's a little more accessible to people. Yeah. But have you, have of, you seen no. like an increase in people seeking it out after the sex, love and goop was yes. featured. And for yes. folks who haven't watched that, you know, I've, as I've said on the podcast before, I'm not a supporter of everything the company does, but I do think they yeah. showcased some really important stuff on this. And and I've had some clients and partners uh, who come see me that really have enjoyed watching it and found it really validating. Yes. Um, my business, like quadrupled after sex wow. love and goop came out because they have sexological body workers uh, on the show as well as somatic practitioners that do exactly the type of work that i do 
Um, and there's not that many of us. Like I'm like mm. one of the few somatic sexologists in Southern California, actually. Wow. Um, if you get more towards the Bay Area, there's a lot more therapists there. Um, as well as trainings. Um, mm-hmm. But Jaya, who is in Sex, Love, and Goop, was my cohort, and she was in my sexological mm. bodywork training class. So mm-hmm. it's great just kind of, you know, doing that 20 years ago with her and then just yeah. seeing her on Sex, Love, and Goop and being like, good for you. <laughs> this is awesome. And I love the work she is doing with the erotic blueprints and whatnot. And yeah, um, yeah she's really helping get this out there, um, which is very important. So she's mm-hmm. another like crusader that's like, we have to you know, help inform and educate people just about this type of therapy and just even know that it exists. So Mm -hmm. we still have a long way to go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, something else I know that you help people with is um, female ejaculation. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And um, for folks who want a little bit more on that, you could go back to a past episode with uh, with Lola Jean, but I think it's always worth talking about in in another context. Um, So let's let's talk about it. And and one thing I want to say before we dive into it is like people for so long have been so obsessed with like, is squirt pee? (laughs) (laughs) this like whatever (laughs) thing and essentially it's like no it's a different substance there are trace amounts of urine whatever and Mm -hmm. i always like to say even if it is who the fuck cares who the fuck cares yeah (laughs) right like why (laughs) why does it have to be that we specify that it's like only okay if it's pee or not pee like i mean maybe that's like a hierarchy of bodily fluids all of a sudden like pee would be terrible (laughs) i mean i guess i guess maybe if we're talking about like informed consent where someone's like i'm okay with this kind of bodily fluid but not shit or blood um maybe and like if it's pee and it feels good then pee. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And you know, that fear, that very fear, like what if I'm peeing is the very reason a lot of people kind of hold themselves back. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and don't let go is because they're terrified. Like what if I pee? Right. So then get a, like, get a waterproof blanket. <laughs> exactly. It's that simple practice somewhere where you're like, yeah, in the bathtub or waterproof blanket. It's really that simple and, and practice on your own by yourself you know, cause maybe if you'd be more self-conscious around a partner, you know, when you're first experimenting with it, do it by yourself. So that way, if you did pee or you can kind of have your moment where you can like, let go without, you know, that self-consciousness. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, and you know what, it c- all comes out of the urethra, right? The mm-hmm. squirting comes from the urethra, uh, you know, and, uh, urine does as well. So there's a feeling too, as you're doing it a little bit like you're peeing. So it feels a little bit like that. Mm-hmm. So I can yeah. see how there's like that, that fear of that. And then that stigma around female ejaculation being fake. I mean, the myths and misconceptions are like the G spot doesn't exist. People have said, uh, you know, it's just urine. It comes from the bladder. So it has to be pee. No, like there is actual prostatic fluid in ejaculate. It's been tested as well. So it's like, there is a lot of, and, and anyone who's like, been ejaculated on or experienced that for themselves can attest that, you know, it has a different, you know, quality about it than urine very much. So. Yeah. What, what got you passionate (laughs) about like wanting to help people with that? And what do you, why do you think it's um, an important thing to maybe learn or practice? Well, when I first discovered that I could ejaculate, that was 20 years ago. And that's what started me on all of this, wow. <laughs> like a, being a sex educator, was being able to squirt for the first time. So I had a partner 
Um, I had just come to the Bay Area from New York and I um, was kind of, you know, with this partner who was very like sexually open and interesting and kinky. And Mm -hmm. he just said to me, oh, I think I think you can ejaculate. I was like, wait, what? And so I really had no idea what what it was. And lo and behold, he basically like helped curate that experience of me ejaculating for the first time. And then I had this moment where I was like, fuck yeah, first of all, where I was like, this is really (laughs) empowering and cool and like interesting. I felt like I like unleashed something within myself that felt really powerful. Yeah. It's very primal, very like animalistic. Yes. Like sometimes I would cheer like a football player that scored a touchdown. I'd be like, like I got it across (laughs) the room or, you know, it's like a very, it's a very tangible expression of (laughs) sexual energy and orgasms. Right. Um, and it, yeah, like it has so many different qualities about it. Right. And in so many different contexts, it's just a very, um, it was, but what, the big center was I had also that excitement around it. And then this, wait a minute, why didn't I know more about this? Why don't more people, why doesn't mainstream culture and society know more about this? Why is this some, some kind of hidden, you know, aspect of women's sexuality, right? So, and the amount of people out there who have it happen that feel uh, embarrassed or like, don't know what's going on or think that there's something wrong. Um, yeah, so it's many. shrouded in myths and misconception. There's shame around it. There's people who there's ignorance around it. There's people that just have no awareness or very little or associate it with some parlor trick that they see in a porn and they think it's fake and all this other stuff. Right. So number one, there was all these myths and misconceptions about it where I was like, people need to know this is fucking real. And if I have to scream it from the rooftops, I will. So what I did was I set out to make a film about female ejaculation, like a how to mm-hmm. instruct film. Mm-hmm. And I'm in it demonstrating. Um, I got all my friends <laughs> to be in it. I got a whole soundtrack to it. Oh I my gosh, is this, is this still around? It exists. Yeah, it exists. It's called Divine Nectar, The Guide to Female Ejaculation. Um, and it involves all these artists. So I did something kind of psychedelic, a little bit artistic, um, it's very instructional. It's step-by-step kind of thing. And it has tons of demos, tons of squirting left and right with couples, single folks. Uh, you weren't doing sex education and stuff before making this video. Not really. Be- no, not at all before making this video. Wow. Making this film was my foray into being a sex educator. So as wow. I was making the film, I was, you know, talking to sex experts and then mm-hmm. also starting to teach workshops about it. So I was kind of like building my sex educational career as I was making this film at the same time. Yeah. So by the time the film came out, you know, I was teaching workshops and uh, I was doing a like erotic performance art and then touring around the country promoting my film. Mm-hmm. I was part of a traveling tantric circus and we showed my film, taught workshops, taught about tantra. Um, and basically had a whole posse of sex educators in the Bay Area that I worked with that we were promoting and working with female ejaculation. Also, as far as I know, I hosted the biggest female ejaculation event the world has ever experienced. Say <laughs> so more. I, I hosted a... So when I decided to premiere like squirt, my film... Like a squirt off? <laughs> it was like a squirting event. It was like a, basically a party all about female ejaculation. <laughs> so I don't know if anyone else has thrown a female ejaculation like event, but there was this big venue in the Bay Area and we packed people in there and we showed clips of my film, the squirtiest moments, and then we had performance art and everything was dedicated to female ejaculation at this 
big event and it was so well attended. And I was basically brought in on a big chair with a big Yoni Volvo puppet with rose petals inside of it and squirt balls. Mm -hmm. And basically I had the men in (laughs) loincloths carry me in a procession, you know, across (laughs) onto the stage while I was throwing rose petals down onto the audience from my big puppet Yoni. (laughs) (laughs) My legs open. And then I had pearls inside the Yoni puppet. And I was like throwing the pearls. Oh, all sorts of things in there. Squirting people. I like little squirt balls. (laughs) It was so much fun. And everyone's like, whoa. And I even warmed the, the water up in the squirt balls uh, so that it could feel real to them as they were getting showered and anointed. Oh, <laughs> with, wow. You know, with warm water um, as I made my way up to the stage. So, um, yeah, it was. When is really this happening cool again? Can we do this? I know, again? right? <laughs> we need a female ejaculation party revival. Um, that was so long ago. I mean, that was like in 2007, I want to say. So, yeah. ancient ancient times but yeah yeah um, I, know, I know lola jean does some uh squirting events and things maybe y'all can collaborate on a mega uh, yes. na- nationwide one and like people in different cities can join too where it's Fuck just yeah. like this like national or international squirtathon. <laughs> uh hell yeah like we'll take over the fucking world let's do it <laughs> let's make this world a juicier place right <laughs> you know and my whole thing is it's not like every person uh needs to have this experience i don't want to put pressure on like oh you have to experience it's just a menu item it's a menu item and at least just be informed about it um maybe experiment a little bit with it and just be open to it and just get informed that's really my main thing is that it can be amazing for some people and for others they could take it or leave it and that's okay it's not like everyone needs to love this but everyone I feel like does need to know about it, right? To know that it's a menu item, to know that our bodies will do this involuntarily and voluntarily, that you can learn to do it. You know, it's it's something you can practice, you can work with, you can explore, you can have extreme, amazing, empowered pleasure, you know, or it can be a little messy and you might be a little annoyed by it. You know, it can be the whole (laughs) full spectrum, right? So have you seen it it. just not happen for anyone? Because of course all bodies are different. So some just... Yes. You know, or it's like so minuscule that it's not like a, you know, a big to do. Yeah. There's so many women reasons why certain people can't ejaculate or don't. Um, You know, we all have the potential to ejaculate because we all have the anatomy for the most part. Most of us have, you know, a G spot. We have, you know, urethral sponge we have the capacity to ejaculate, but not all of us, you know, some women, for example, when I go in, they have super like huge spongy mounds that their urethral sponge is just like huge and fluffy. And then I just stimulate it for like a few moments, their G spot, which is the part behind the urethral sponge that is the most potent. And it will just immediately almost like fills up like a balloon. It's like, woohoo. And other women, it's not really as, as much like that. And there's many different reasons. You have to be highly aroused. You know, you have to spend some time simulating the area. There's all these different factors that, you know, you have to be able to release it once you do feel that buildup of ejaculate too. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and there's all these tips and techniques and, you know, ways to work with it. But yeah, I wouldn't say that I'd say everyone has the potential and the capability of possibly being able to ejaculate. I don't know your thoughts on this, but I think, um, as I've talked about a little on the show before that, like, you know, some people 
assert that the G-spot is really just sort of getting to the back end of the nerve endings of the clitoris. And so Mm. I also would imagine that like based on someone's clitoral anatomy, it's going to affect that as well, which is like fine. It's just everyone has different anatomy. Um, What are your thoughts Mm -hmm. on like the, is it a G-spot? Does it matter? It's a cool area, you know, like. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I, I'm kind of in the field of it doesn't really matter as long as you find the spot and you that know feels what you're nice for looking. you. That feels really yummy. And oftentimes it feels like you have to pee a little bit when you activate the G spot. Um, and that can be a really pleasurable experience for some. And all G spots feel a little bit different. It might not be pleasurable to some people right away, but it is mm-hmm. an area. What's so cool about our bodies is we can basically activate sensation if we work with it enough. So if you can continue to stimulate and give attention to the G spot, you can actually get more, it can become more and more pleasurable and sensitive, which is so awesome about our bodies. And same for, you know, work with people about resensitizing themselves, like whether it's their clitoris, if they're like, I only can like get off if I use my vibrator, Yeah. right? How do you resensitize your body and, and basically create these new neural pathways to pleasure um, mm, yeah. What, is, what does is, that look like? Resensitizing. And, and just for the folks out yeah. there listening, you can't, I mean, sure. If you, there are ways, I suppose you could hurt yourself with a vibrator if you really tried. <laughs> and mm-hmm. just because you yeah. use one, it doesn't mean you've like ruined yourself for non-vibrator orgasms. <laughs> like it's not a real, like you said, it can be resensitized. Sometimes we just mm-hmm. get used to one way of right. pleasuring ourselves. What, what is this yes. resensitizing process? Um, so it might not even be resensitizing so much as sensitizing. So there's kind yeah. of uh, a little bit either or there. But basically, um, you know, for example, if if all I'm doing when I'm self-pleasuring, yeah. you know, uh, as a person with a penis, and I'm just kind of doing like fast jerking, kind of yeah. hard and fast, mm-hmm. I'm going to get used to a certain type of intense you know, stimulation in order to have an orgasm, right? You just Mm kind of get used to what, what you do. Mm -hmm. And then lighter touch is not, is going to just be, I'm sort of numbed out to lighter touch. Yeah. And same with, if you're used to a vibrator, you're, and you're used to it, right? Um, then lighter, softer touch, like someone going down on you or using their tongue or a finger or moving kind of slower might feel like, you're just, you might not feel it that much, right? Mm-hmm. It might just be like, okay, this is all right, but I'm not going to get to an orgasm or nah, this is okay. I need more. Yeah. So the process of sensitizing um, the genitals is really just a very mindful slowing down mm-hmm. and touching softly and gently, teasing, bringing your awareness and attention to those areas um, that feel like you're getting a little zing from the slow, softer touch. Mm -hmm. So ironically, it's the slow, soft touch that brings things, sensation back online again Mm -hmm. and helps sort of reprogram and kind of like create more availability to pleasure from Mm -hmm. slower, uh, softer touch, especially in the beginning. So a lot of, one of the biggest things that is a challenge for, for, like someone who has a vulva is that most times they're getting touch from a partner that's like straight away right to it. You know, it's like, ah, la, 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 la. like their mm-hmm. tongue is going a mile a minute, just for the moment, you know, rather than a slow build up and a teasing, taking yeah. their time and not enough like, time oh, for like the arousal to happen. 
to build. Yes, exactly. And to, to just feel all the little nuances. And whenever you're feeling those little nuances of like touch and sensation, you want more and your body rises up a little bit, like kind of like, yay, mm. give me more. I want more of that. If you're, mm-hmm. especially if you're being a little tease versus right off the gate being like, you know, yeah. then your body's actually <laughs> shrieking back. You're kind of like, oh, this is right. too much too soon. But we don't necessarily know that because we've never had someone touch us very softly, intentionally with care, mm-hmm. you know, being fully present and being able to check in. How is this? How does this feel? Right. So that's some of the work that I do is these missing experiences that people never received touch at all. That Mm -hmm. was conscious, slow, intentional, Mm -hmm. you know, and checking in and being of service to that person. Right. And where they can be in a space where they can fully receive their breathing, they're feeling their body. So Mm -hmm. for example, like the attention part is a huge piece of this. Like our awareness is like a magnifying glass, right? So wherever I put my attention on, whether it's my fingertips or my one fingertip or my, my clitoris, that's going to magnify sensation. Yeah. So it's like our attention awareness is huge part of this as well too. And the slowing down. Yes, exactly. The slowing down, being intentional, having our nervous system relaxed as well. Mm -hmm. So we can, can feel and receive, Mm -hmm. um, as well as that attention and awareness. And that combination is really vital, especially when we're in our full bodies receiving as well. We're allowing our bodies to move and open, to breathe, to use our voice and express. Mm. Yes. Okay. Well, Mm -hmm. for folks who are feeling inspired by that, how can folks uh, get in touch with what you're doing? um, Hire you, uh, join you on this journey? Yes. Yes. I love helping people and I'm here to help. Um, I have my office in Newport Beach and my website is therapyinbed.com. Amazing. And again, listeners, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars. Uh, you can listen and get more info at slutsandscholars.com. And please don't forget to rate and review. It is very helpful. And check out those advertiser discounts. Thank you so much, Tulula. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show. 